Speaking about new, have you ever tried to fix something, rebuild it, make it new? Uh, my wife has this angel ornament that she puts on the tree every year. And uh, as we started having some kids and their little hands started getting in the mix and hanging them up, um, it, it took a few tumbles and it's gotten dismembered a few times. And these days it's more like a football does the damage. Uh, but it seems like if there's no use, right, in trying to glue it back together. I mean, there's so many pieces now, and every time it falls, it's a new piece that gets damaged. I also have these closet doors, and uh, it's for our AC closet. And uh, when we moved into the house at first, the closet doors, I mean, they looked sturdy, they looked fine, and we would open and close them, no problem, uh, but it, quickly became apparent uh, that something was off, right? I mean, uh, one side would just, just sink down into the wood floor and I literally had to prop it up and I tried all these different things to try and prop it up and rig it together uh, for it to work and landed on a sticky note, folded like, you know, several times and just propped it right under there and, and it works. And now the other side, has the issue where, I mean, you open it and some of the hardware has, has come loose and I've tied it back together and now it's just not working. Um, so now you open it, it comes off of its hinges and it almost falls down on top of you if you don't know the right technique or trick. We know that something's off, something is wrong and things go wrong. Now in life, things go wrong as well. And, and it feels like life comes off of his hinges at times. I know that's true for me. And what we need in life is a solid foundation. I mean, to fix my closet doors in the right way, it doesn't need to be rigged some more. It doesn't need some more MacGyvering to see what I can do to keep them up, but just enough, barely. No, it, it needs a new frame. It needs a new foundation. I need new hardware, and I need to get it done the right way. Now, life works the same way. You know, we can either build upon a solid foundation and gut out the old shaky one, or we can fake it, try to rig some things up, and, and things start to fall apart eventually if we go the route of trying to make ourselves appear one way. You know, we, we spend our lives trying to build ourselves up. We build up our careers. We build up our homes, our, our families. We try to gather stuff and we build stuff upon stuff. And yet, we've been building on a shaky foundation because we want for people to look at us a certain way. And what it amounts to is sticking, you know, folded pieces of sticky notes under to try and prop ourselves up. It's not a sure foundation. It's not solid enough to hold up the pressures of this world that come at us. 
and they eventually start to wear away and wear us down, wear us out. And this season that we've all entered in has brought some challenges. It's brought its own difficulties and it's also exposed quite a lot. It's exposed what the foundation that we've been building upon really is. Is it shaky? Is it sturdy and solid? And our character and our attitude begin to start revealing more and more of what the foundation that we've been building upon really is, right? I mean, we we start to maybe lie or or cheat or or get greedy and money-hungry, power-hungry. We we start doing things that we would have never even thought that we would have done before. We're less generous. And then we surround ourselves with people who kind of encourage us in that direction. I've done it. I've spent a lot of my life doing that. And, And there are people who don't speak honest and vulnerable truth. Uh, They're the kind that see what's going on. They know, hey, you should make a few adjustments. But instead they choose to say, wow, nice closet doors. And I was building on this shaky foundation. It wasn't working out. I tried to prop myself up and it didn't work. And it's impossible for us to keep this up long-term. And so the cultural and societal pressures of of entertainment and, and, you know, just getting online, period, right? You just go there. They all seem to want to mold you and mold me into something different. They, they, They wanna mold our children and our families into something that I, I really don't have a vision for. You see, I want a family that honors God. I, I want to live in obedience to Christ's commands. And I wanna fight for my family and, and build up my family in the right way. And I'm sure that there's many of you out there who desire the same things. And so we've all found ourselves in this strange place in time. And when we say it's been a crazy year, that's like the understatement of the millennia, right? To to say that it's been a crazy year, I mean, it has been a crazy, challenging year. And our Christmas has definitely looked different than we ever thought possible. And now, We're on the cusp of a new year. And and who knows really what this new year will bring. So how do we head into this new year with a fresh sense of hope? Well, we're going to be diving into um, this framework uh, that's in the book of Nehemiah. And it worked really well for Nehemiah, uh, so well that he just does it over and over and over again, living out of this this framework. And so I, I believe that with this framework in mind, I mean, it's going to provide us and, and give us a foundation to head into this new year and go forward in the right way. And here's the framework, and I want to give it to you right off the bat. And so uh, number one is take inventory. Number two is pray. Three, get to work. 
and four, give God the glory. Now we're going to see how that plays out in just a moment. But just heading back to my closet doors, just to finish that up, you see, they would benefit from a new foundation. And far more important than closet doors, right? Uh, Nehemiah's time, he was called to rebuild the wall. And he didn't stop with rebuilding a wall because the, the wall at that time was closely tied with the nation's identity. And so he didn't stop at the wall. He kept on going to help rebuild lives. And as he rebuilt lives, he was giving God's people a new spiritual identity and a new solid foundation. And so if there's anything that has threatened us this year, it's been our sense of security and our identity. You know, who are we truly? And I believe that it's time for us not to rig things together and, and kind of prop them up and, and hope it all works out, but no, it's time for us to rebuild with a sure and solid foundation. So with that, we're gonna turn, or if you're joining us on your tablet, tap over to Nehemiah. And uh, as you find your place in the Bible, I'm gonna give you a little bit of context. Uh, God's people had abandoned God in exchange for idol worship. Side note here, uh, that's sin. They, they chose something else above God, and they went their own way. And so the Babylonians end up capturing Jerusalem. They destroy it. They, they burn it down. The walls are gone. And many of God's people are forced to live in exile over in Babylon. They're there for 70 years. And after there's a few command changes and leadership changes, uh, they allow them to go and return home. And they go home in, in several different waves. And as they go home, they try to find a way to, to rebuild. It actually took them about 20 years to rebuild the temple. And, and many things are still ruined. They're, they're still destroyed. And this is where we find ourselves when we enter into Nehemiah's time. Chapter 1, verse 3, this is where Nehemiah brings, uh, Nehemiah's brother, excuse me, brings Nehemiah a report of what's been going on. And they said to me, verse 3, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates are destroyed by fire. And as soon as I heard these words, this is Nehemiah speaking, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eye be open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house has, have sinned. And 
We've acted very corruptly against you and have not kept your commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make your name dwell there. There your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to this prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today. Here's the first thing that Nehemiah did. He took inventory. And that's what I invite you all to do as well. Take inventory. Nehemiah got a report of the state of the city. The walls are broken down. The people are in great trouble and shame. It's interesting that shame is mentioned there. You see, what do the walls being down mean for Nehemiah? In his day and in this time, the nation's walls were intrinsically tied to their value, right? How they saw themselves, how other nations would see them. Could they just come in and take and steal whatever they wanted to take and be plundered? Or did they have the security that they needed to protect the things in the wall that mattered most? See, the things inside the wall were the things that were most precious, were most valuable. It was God's People And so walls in that time meant safety, security, defense against attacks or raids from the outside. If you didn't have a wall, you weren't taken serious. People could just come and do what they wish with you. And so therefore, the shame is there. There's also shame because they know what they did was wrong. They left God for idol worship. And so therefore, this city now is destroyed. And so they, they feel that, that shame that is upon them. And so the wall represents their identity. Now, how about us? I mean, we, we likewise, you know, have some things in our lives that, that we like to protect, right? Some things that, that maybe we've been building up in the right way. But are we allowing outside enemy invasion just to come in? Or are we actually taking the right measures to rebuild the things that need rebuilding and to take inventory, honest, hard looks at our lives and see, yes, we need to rebuild this area of our lives because the walls are down and maybe there's shame involved for us. But what matters most to you? What do you value? And a telling question that I'm faced with often, and I want to challenge you with and pose it to you, is am I truly living into the values that I say matter most to me? And when we aren't, if you answer that question honestly and you arrive, I say that, that this matters, but I'm not living that way. When we aren't, are we broken about it? I mean, we see Nehemiah just 
fall down and just weep and mourn for days? Does it disturb us when we're not living the way that we say we value and we honor these things? We don't do that. Then we see Nehemiah shift into a prayer. And, and, and it was a pretty lengthy prayer. Uh, there's even longer prayers that we know uh, recorded in Scripture. But in this prayer, Nehemiah is honest with himself before God. And he's honest about the nation. You see, he even says, goes to this extent, that even I and my father's house have sinned. That's Nehemiah 1.6. And there's no indication in this book or in previous books that speak about Nehemiah that Nehemiah was actively running around rebelling and sinning against God and just doing whatever he wanted. He was actually seeking to follow God in all that he did. And yet here he's saying, even I and my father's house have sinned. And he's putting himself in the mix with the people because he is part of this nation. And he admits and he asks for forgiveness. He confesses the sins, not only his sins, but the sins of the nation. And he lumped himself in there, apologizing and asking God to forgive him. He also reminds God of his promises, right? God's promises. He's, he's reminding God of God's promises. In verse 9, he says, um, But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though you're outcast into the othermost parts of heaven, from there I'm going to gather you and bring them to a place that I have chosen. And this, Nehemiah's quoting God in what God had said that he would promise to do. Now, does God need reminding? <laughs> No, God doesn't need to be reminded of his promises, but we do. And I would love for you to do this. I would love for you to man, just take a notebook and, and go throughout scripture. And I know there's plenty of books that you can uh, go to that just have the promises of God readily available. Uh, but if you go through the scriptures and, and you see the promises of God that are yours in Christ Jesus, and you, you write them down, and then you, you begin to live into them because they are promises that belong to those who claim Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so Nehemiah is reminding God in the prayer, but really it's for his benefit. I need to be reminded that you, God, are a good God that loves us and says if we return to you, and that's what we're doing right now, we're returning to you. And then Nehemiah gets to work. Um, he, he meets with the king. He has a position in that time uh, with the king as a cupbearer. And he basically asks uh, permission to leave his steady job and, and go and rebuild the wall. And he asks the king in, in verse 5 by saying, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I might rebuild it. And he wasted no time. If you continue to read on, you know, a few more verses later, you see that Nehemiah uh, gets permission. He gets paperwork from the king. He gets supplies from the king to go and rebuild the wall. And he actually goes and starts rebuilding the wall. The king even sent him off with a royal escort. 
And we also see Nehemiah give God the glory. And so at the end of verse 8, Nehemiah acknowledges, right? After he's been granted permission from the king, he hasn't built the wall yet, but he's just giving God glory for what's already been taking place. And the king granted me what I asked for. The good hand of my God was upon me. He just gives God the glory. God, listen, me just speaking with the king and getting permission is one thing, but I mean, I know that you did all this. You got me the supplies. You got me the permission. You even got me the royal escort. God deserves all the glory and honor that he is due. And Nehemiah does this over and over again. He takes inventory. He prays. And then he gets to work. But he also gives God the glory. Is there something in your life that you need to give God the glory for today? Nehemiah gathered all the people And each person had an important part to play in rebuilding the wall. And they were eager to do it. We see family after family after family do their part on the wall. When they finish, they jump on another part of the wall. And they are involved. But what happens, as in life, when opposition comes? When the enemies try to... Uh, derail their plans, right? Things like this always take place. Well, we're going to see Nehemiah respond exactly as he did before. He took inventory. He realized the enemies wanted them to stop building the wall. This is in Nehemiah chapter 4. And the enemy's tactic was to attack Nehemiah's character. He he started uh, making fun of Nehemiah. They started to mock him and ridicule him. And check out one of these times in uh, chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. They just start asking, what are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to really restore this on on their own, right, by themselves? Will they revive the stones, the, the heaps of rubbish you know, the, the burned ones at that. Because remember, everything was destroyed. So they're making fun of them, saying it was burned down. What are they going to do? Grab the, the ashy stones and try to rebuild this? And then they take it up a notch and they start adding insult to injury. Yeah, what they're building, if a fox goes up on it, it's going to break down their stone wall. You can feel these enemies just wanting to just get them to stop the work. And just like Nehemiah had to look beyond what was happening, the, the mockery, to see what they were trying to do. And, and you understand this if you keep on reading through other chapters, that Nehemiah understood his work was important. And all they're trying to do is distract him from the work, from the good work that God has called him to do. And we likewise need to take inventory and we need to look beyond the, the, the tactics of the enemy that at times are right in front of us. They might be literal people that come against you. Maybe At one point in time, just like with Nehemiah, they hired an insider to try and lure Nehemiah in and and get him to tarnish his character in that way. There's opposition that takes place everywhere. But what's really going on? And what's the important thing that we ought to be focusing on? 
And so as you take inventory, even look to the enemies. What are they trying to distract you from? What's the opposition trying to take you away from? If God has called you to something, you stick to what God has called you to do. And we see Nehemiah pray. And he prays to God this Sikkim prayer, right? I mean, so he took inventory. We're going to see him pray and and check out this prayer. Hear, O God, this is uh, verse 4. For we are despised. Turn back their taunts on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So the enemies are doing this out in the open. They're trying to discourage people. Yeah, man, they're right. Look at these stones. They're just a bunch of ruins. Yeah, I mean, this one's charred. We can't reuse this. But yet Nehemiah prays, and, and, and get this. It's okay to pray this way. If you have enemies, you have opposition coming against you, it's it's good and it's encouraged to acknowledge even what you're feeling in that moment. I'm positive Nehemiah was probably feeling angry here. And here he says, God, sick them, get them. All that mockery, put it back on their heads. Man, send them away so they could be slaves and captives in other lands. What Nehemiah was doing is he knew the work he was doing was important. And so in essence, prays to God and says, God, you handle them. I'm going to continue to do the work you've called me to do, but God, you handle them. And I hope that you kind of turn all their mockery and all of their taunting back on them. Now, there's a lot of different prayers that we can pray. We, we in, the, in the first part, um, you know, in that prayer, we saw Nehemiah praying a prayer of confession, right? A prayer of forgiveness. We see that there are prayers of praise. And right here, this is a prayer that Nehemiah is just calling for help. He's calling for backup. And if you keep on reading, yeah, they, they pray some more. All right, God, you protect us because they started getting death threats. They started hearing that, that there was rumors that they were about to be attacked. And so they prayed for God to protect them. He got to work. That's verse 6. So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together at half its height, for the people had a mind to work. They were focused on working. And so now here we see, man, the wall gets completed a little more and a little more. He encouraged the people in the midst of war. The workers at this point are now armed with spears and bows. And and, and scripture tells us that that they're working on the wall with their hand on a sword with the other hand. And Nehemiah is encouraging them all the more. In verse 14, And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials, here's his encouragement, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, for your sons, for your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He he keeps the vision in front of the people. And so I ask, who are you fighting for? What are you 
fighting for? And why are you rebuilding? So as you take inventory and as you see the things in your life that need some rebuilding, what are you rebuilding? And as you rebuild, uh, we see Nehemiah give glory to God. In verse 15, when our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had frustrated their plans, we all returned to the wall and each one to his work. And so they gave glory to God where glory is due. And this happens over and over and over again. We see Nehemiah take inventory. What's really happening here? Oh, they're just trying to get us to to be discouraged. He prays to God. And then he gets to work and they work fervently, more fervently than ever, but they always give glory to God. And in chapter six, we see that the wall was finished in 52 days, which is record time for a project of this magnitude. And check this out, even more glory here. And when all of our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and they fell greatly in their own esteem for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of God. See, when you stick to the work God has for you to do, even though there's gonna be opposition, right? Even though there's gonna be attacks and things are gonna go wrong and people are not gonna want you to succeed, but if you stick to the work God has you to do, if you pray and ask God to be your rear guard, to help you during those enemy attacks, if you confess your sins, acknowledge that yes, God, I need your help, I need your forgiveness, I need you to save me, and you continue the work and success comes, God gets the glory. Because even the enemies realized this work could not have been done without God. This was a type of work that in 52 days for a wall like that to be built is unheard of. So God got the glory and we we ought to be humble enough in those times to give God the glory that he's due. And so we find ourselves living right now in the messy and challenging year. And our hope should not be in the coming of a new year, as though a new year and just going into, you know, another day makes all the difference. Now, you see, that's not going to be the solution. It's just heading into a new year. Have you taken inventory? What's going on within you, around you? Is there morality among Christians, right? In the way that God defines right and wrong. Do you see that increasing? Is it decreasing? What's what's going on? Are we just comfortable fitting in with culture? Are, Are you okay? And are we okay? Have we become just acceptable that our children just roam freely online, learning the new age morality by their peers teaching them I know as parents, we want our children to be accepted and to fit in. But as Christians, we ought to stand out and and in a good way, right? Not, Not for bad things, right? We should stand out in a really good way. And are we passing down what God has done and what God has taught us to the next generation? Or do we find ourselves with our walls down in need of repair? 
And, and that's part of the, the hard look that we need to make, the hard inventory that we need to assess our lives. We need to assess what's really going on. Because if we're not rooted and grounded in God, our hope is shallow. Because no vaccine, no president, no laws, right, are going to be able to fix what's going on. It's not the solution to what's deep at the heart. God's people sinned against God by going their own way. That's what brought about all of the destruction. That's why the walls were down to begin with. And if we take inventory of our lives and see that, man, it's, it's, it's our sin, that's the problem. And that means that only God is the solution. Only God has the answers that our soul longs for. That's why after we take inventory, we pray to God. Because if only He is the solution, right? We, we pray to Him who has all the wisdom and all of the knowledge. And after taking inventory and praying, we get to work. We do the work that He has called us to do, the good work. And you trust Him for the outcome. And you give Him the glory for every little win you get. This year, as you take inventory, what are you going to start rebuilding? Is it spiritual disciplines, like spending time with God daily? Is it praying together with your family on a consistent basis? Could it be serving others or, or maybe giving to those in need, being a, a more generous person? Maybe for you, it's, it's letting others in to the true you. It's sharing your story in a way that you haven't done before. I mean, maybe God has already done a work and he's been faithful in your life and he's redeemed and restored your life, but nobody knows that. And so maybe it is stepping out and sharing your story. And, and perhaps there was shame involved in the things that you did. But did you know that one of the best ways to start shedding the shame is to own your story and is to share your story of God's faithfulness and His work in your life. And as you start doing that more and more, there is healing that begins to take place inside of us. And so, what is it for you that you need to put your hands in and start rebuilding that wall, put on a solid and secure foundation? Because here's the thing, as we look forward to this new year, I would love for all of us to succeed and for all of us to, to head in to this new year, no matter the circumstance that's happening in our lives, but to have joy as we head into this new year. And this joy is rooted in a firm foundation built on Jesus Christ, our Lord. And for those who don't have that foundation and don't know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, I'd love to lead you in a time where you can do just that right now. And so we're gonna pray and it has 
nothing to do with the words that you say. It doesn't have to be exact. It doesn't have to be precise. But it has everything to do with your heart. Where are you? Have you taken an, an honest look at your life? Do you see that maybe there's parts of your life that are in ruins? Do you see your need for a savior? And that you've been trying to prop yourself up, but, but you're just tired. And, and this pandemic has just exposed what you really value. And people around you are really saying and looking, and man, what you really value is superficial. And so, as I pray with you and, and for you, you just pray along with me. And again, it's your heart. Are you broken for your sins against God who loves you and who wants you? And so you can pray something like this. God, today I acknowledge that I've been trying to build up my life on a foundation that isn't sturdy because the obstacles that come easily swayed me in one direction or another. And I'm not somebody who has been living according to your laws and your commands and your statutes. God, I have sinned against you and I ask that right now you would forgive me of my sins. I've chosen to go my own way and I don't want to live your way, God, but today I'm making a turn towards you. God, would you help me? Would you guard me? Would you make me new? And so, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to sacrifice his life for all of my sins. I believe in you. I trust you. And I want to go your way from this day forward. Amen. If you prayed that or something like that prayer, again, it's your heart that God sees. You have just begun to lay the foundation. Because Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. He is the bedrock. He is the firmest foundation there is. And upon Him, that's where we start to build some more and build some more. And when opposition comes and when trials come our way, we're not going to be easily swayed because we know that we have built on a firm foundation. So I'm going to leave you with this encouragement from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. And now, just as you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him and let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. And that is my prayer for us as we head into a new year that we would grow down deep into him and that we would begin to rebuild upon this firm foundation. Amen.